Angelica. Look at the, the little flower. I am not the little flower. You know, I'm Italian. She was French. <laughs> She was meek. I'm hot-tempered. She was very lovey-dovey. To me, you know, let's get on with this show. You got something to do? Do it. You know, I look at the Lord sometimes in the best sacrament. I say, Lord, I wish I could think of all the things the saints thought of. You know, I always tell you, gushy. St. Gertrude and St. Uh, McShield. You know, is there an, a place up there, Lord, for just ordinary people? You know? People that get out, up in the morning kind of grouchy and go to bed the same way, you know? I mean, there has to be a lot of those kind of people up there. You know? For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Why do I have to be the insightful professional? You just patted yourself on the back. I'm losing you, buddy. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're just so great. I love your show. Am I close? No. Does that comfort you? No. I'm sorry, and I'm going to confess it, because I'm a holy guy. I'm a little intimidated to talk to you because uh, you used a lot of big words. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. You came to the wrong place. You came to the wrong place if you're looking for deep answers. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Yeah, well, that dear lady is right. I mean, I hate it when people use big words just to make themselves sound magniloquent and perspicacious. Good to have you with me on The Doctor Is In, Monday version, E-Person Monday. Is that your cutesy little way of saying it, Dr. Ray? E-Person? Why didn't you just say email? <laughs> this is why I'm cutting edge in linguistic sensitivity. You can't say male. Not anymore. Heck, we can't even refer to God as father and male anymore. We have to keep changing it. Every time there's a his pronoun in the predicate referring to God, we got to repeat God again. You know, God is to all of us as God's way is. You can't say his way anymore. Isn't that something? God decided, I see I'm off on a tangent. God has decided to communicate with us via male fatherhood. But we don't allow that, huh? We got to tell God, no, no. God, you just aren't 21st century sensitive, linguistically sensitive. We can't. You, we, if we refer you as a his, it makes other people feel excluded. That's why that's I, I tell you when we, when we sing these hymns, or even when we say the prayers, and instead of referring to God as he or him, or the possessive his, we reinsert the word God. Well, Dr. Ray, God is neither male nor female. I got that. That's Theology 101A. But if he decided to communicate with us that way, and if he decided to send his son to communicate with us, well, we ought to give him a little nod. For whatever the reason, that's how he decided to do it. He's God. It's his world. It's his rules. But no, no, no. We are more sensitive than God. So anyway, this is E-Person Monday. My nod 
to linguistic sensitivity. I got this stack in front of me here of these e-persons. That and the ones on my phone. So we'll get to that momentarily. Let me look at my manalog topic. Turn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you familiar with a quote where Jesus says, if you lust after someone in your heart, now he says lust after a woman, but I'll broaden it out to be linguistically inclusive. Lust after someone in your heart, then you've already you've already committed the sin. Why? Well, you want to do it. And the only reason you didn't do it is you didn't have a chance. Or you were afraid of the consequences. Too much to risk. You didn't not do it because you wanted to obey our Lord. You did it because, well, it wouldn't be in your self-interest to do it. Okay. I got that. I had a pastor friend tell his congregation, he said, if you want to commit some sin, some immorality, and you don't do it because it could negatively affect you, not because it's the right thing to do to act virtuously, but it's because you just, you just don't want to take a chance of getting caught. He said, that doesn't mean you're moral. It could mean you're just a coward. <clears throat> when Jesus said, don't lust, do you think he was just limiting it to lust? Or was he broadening it out? In other words, don't invite sin into your head and ponder it and think about it and want to do it but not do it because of self-interest of bad repercussions of punishment if you could get away with it would you do it that's a scary question because if you attempted to answer it honestly and you said, if I could get away with it, if the opportunity presented itself and there wouldn't be any self-recriminations or self-repercussions, I'd do it. You've just sinned. What if someone said to you, an opportunity is going to cross your path where the way the circumstances are set up, you could steal a million dollars. Nobody would know except the person that you stole it from. Other than that, you wouldn't get caught. There's no way any investigation would redound to you. Would you do it? I got to believe most of us would say, of course not. Wouldn't do that. My morals wouldn't let me do that. And we'd all like to think that's what would happen if the situation presented itself. However, I'm scared. I don't want the situation to present itself. Because then I would have to see 
if in fact I predicted right. I want to think that I would not do that. That gives me comfort. Tells me that my my behavior is guided by morals, not by consequences. But even the apostles, Peter, the head of the apostles, the first pope, the big guy, the numero uno honcho, top dog, the top of the list of every list of apostles mentioned, mentioned more times in the Gospels than all the other apostles put together. Peter, who said, I will not deny you even if I have to die with you. Remember he said that? Oops. Peter, who traveled with Christ for three plus years, who saw him do all kinds of spectacular things. I mean, come on, how do you explain what this guy can do? One thing to have somebody heal from a sickness, you know, somebody say, well, it's psychosomatic. It's quite another to calm the wind and a storm with your voice. I just timed it. That's all. I just timed it. The storm was going to calm anyway. He just timed it. Uh-huh. Peter even said, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. And then, when he was right in front of the opportunity to do what he said he would do, he didn't. So, if St. Peter could do that, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous about me. I'm thinking to myself, I, I just hope I wouldn't do that. How many, let me just go with males. How many males would feel confident if someone extremely attractive were to attempt to physically entice them? And they would feel completely confident, no, 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 I would have no part of that. I'd resist that. Wouldn't be a, nah, that's not something I would do. Now, I think most people would say that. But I think that they better hope they're never in that situation. Because I know, as a psychologist, I know that a certain percentage of them would not be able to resist that. Yeah, Scripture even talks about that. It even says, hey, don't, don't, don't put me in those situations. Because understands human nature. Fallen human nature, anyway. When our Lord says don't lust, he's really saying don't entertain sin in your head or your heart. Because if you do, there's a real good likelihood it's going to gain momentum. And it's going to seek expression. And it's going to reveal itself. So if there's anything that you wouldn't do only because you'd get caught. Only because you risk other positives in your life, like your marriage, then be wary, be nervous, because you're you're given this thing someplace to root, and as long as it's there, um, it'll always kind of seek more strength. All righty. When will we come back? 
have a dear lady here who, oh gosh, she has dealt with death, uh, some heavy death here. Um, and she is definitely distressed because, well, she didn't get to be with him at the end. When I come back, I'm Dr. Ray. But I'm a doctor, and it's my tradition to care for the sick and injured. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria mutual funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Father Benedict Groeschel. I must tell you that from what I observe from very young people, all of these blasphemers, all of these mockers are in for a tough time. Because the devil bites his own tail. And I find among young people a growing reverence and longing for God. I find a decline in the cynicism and skepticism around because it had to destroy itself. No one can live on being an enemy of God. It's too crazy. It's too absurd. It's too dark. It's too bleak. God is beautiful. God is holy. Why in the world mock God? EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Solidarity HealthShare began out of the Christian tradition of neighbor helping neighbor. They're a nonprofit medical cost-sharing ministry in which their members share in each other's eligible medical expenses. Solidarity HealthShare is not insurance, but rather an alternative way to pay for medical costs that adheres to the teachings of the Catholic Church. They'll never share in a medical care that goes against their values and morals, such as abortion, contraception, and sterilization. More information available at SolidarityHealthShare.org or at 844-313-4999. Doesn't that sound like one of those 1970s cop shows? You just picture the guy running and jumping into this really fancy little sports car because it's a convertible and it never rains. You ever notice that? I had a convertible once. I <laughs> I got rid of it. Well, okay. I locked my keys into it. And I called one of those, you know, the AAA people. And they said, I'm a lock, lock person. Didn't say lock lock guy. I didn't say lock guy. Lock person. Although 92% of lock persons are lock guys. He was working on it. And I said, uh, can you hurry? He goes, I'm, I'm doing my best. I said, well, but the top's down. The top's down. And it's going to rain. He goes, well, I got the other side. I got the other door. Okay. Well, so I went around to the other door and got into the car there. But then I put the top up so it wouldn't rain. This is from Lillian. She says, and this, see, this is one of these <sighs> move my heart first lines. 
I don't know if Dr. Ray will receive this message, but I am giving it a try. Oh, how sweet, how nice. See, now I, now I got to answer it. But she also had a very, very hard-hitting recent life. This last month, I lost my husband to cancer, which he, a Vietnam vet, had battled for 11 years. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine something like that hanging over you always, where you're in and out of treatments, or you think, and I'm sure he's been told you're in remission, the cancer's gone, and then two years later it comes back, and 11 years, I mean, that is, that is that is a heavy cloud to hang over you for that long. Only 17 days later, oh, this is apparently 17 days after the last month, my youngest son, 49 years. So I'm trying to do the math here. This is, Lillian is probably, let's see, if she's youngest son, she's probably in her 80s, also died of cancer. This left me devastated. Well, the one little in I, I could say about this, yes, absolutely, that is that is just heavy emotional blows. However, uh, it's been a month, so I really wouldn't expect you not to be devastated for your son and your husband at the same time. Basically, not to be devastated, of course. Okay. As I watched your show today, and she's talking about living right with Dr. Ray, about a wife who lost her husband suddenly, and she said she was not mad at God. Why can't I say that? Now, I think what she's asking is, I am mad at God. Why can't I say I'm not mad at God? Now, I've seen a lot of people talk about this, this whole idea of being mad at God. And I've heard some very thoughtful, uh, respected clergy talk about it's very normal to be mad at God, to be angry, to not understand what he did, how, how it all happened. I've always come down on the side of, one, I'd be nervous about being mad at God because I have an understanding of how little I know. So therefore... If I'm going to be upset at God, my upset is limited to my very narrow understanding. It may have been that what he permitted to happen was for the best, and I won't find that out this side of heaven. May very well be. It may be that that was the very best time in God's plan of things to take that person. It may be that God didn't take that person. It may simply be that that kind of stuff happens in life. We are not guaranteed anything. So for us to say, I'm mad at God, it's always that's always made me very uncomfortable. I, I've always been very, at the very least, unsure about saying that. At the very worst, will not say it. And the lady on the TV show who said, I'm not mad at God, it sounded like, if I remember correctly, what she was saying was, well, I'm, I'm not mad at him. Meaning, it was a conscious decision not to be mad at God. My decision would be, I'm not mad at God because that would be a foolish decision. 
because I would in essence be saying God allowed this to happen which has hurt me or has hurt someone I love and therefore my anger indicates that he shouldn't have done this right no dr. a your anger could just be based upon your your upset and disappointed that it happened that's but that's not being angry at God if I'm gonna be angry at God the implication is he did this why did he do this this is unfair this isn't right if I may digress for a moment I have noticed that we are much more likely to get angry at God when something happens to immediately touch us some tragedy in our own life then I have to wrestle with being angry at God I can look at the same tragedy happening to someone else or somebody's else a bunch and maybe question God maybe not understand why this happened but generally I'm not angry at him what does that say well it says that if it happens to me I'm gonna be upset at God because it shouldn't have happened to me now it's too bad it happened to those other people but um, okay I'm not mad at God because of that but I, I'm a little confused and perplexed but when it happens to me I'm confused perplexed and mad which which says something about us does it not it truly does let me go on with this the loss of my husband was expected I was with him till the end my son kept his condition from us he was living in Japan so that his dad and I would not suffer I guess beautiful as a kid <laughs> kid 49 he had battled cancer at age 20 and survived the cancer returned and the chemo did not work nine days after my son's death I was notified that he was on his deathbed I'm sorry nine days after my son's death is when I was notified that he was on his deathbed so apparently it took a while to get there the process for a visa to enter Japan very complicated due to COVID was approved finally the very day my son died and then she put what incredible pain just wanted to know if dr. Ray could give me some advice that is not what I hear from my Catholic brothers and sisters they are with the Lord God allowed this for a good reason you are a woman of faith etc these comments just upset me because I know they have no idea of how deep this pain is you are right I, people don't know what to say in these incredibly tragic emotionally hard-hitting circumstances they're not to say so they got to find something and they immediately turn to it's going to be okay it's working out he's in heaven which we don't obviously we don't know that I can't sit here and go yeah he's in heaven now he's in a better place when his whole life he ignored God he may still be but that's not my call okay but we say these kinds of things my husband died the 9th of October my son the 26th of October okay so it's not that long ago the worst part is I never got to see him before he died what horrible pain Lillian 
the fact that you didn't get to see your son adds to your grief. If it is the main part of your pain, rethink it. I sense by your letter that there is some kind of blame here that I should have been there. Somehow, some way, I was denied being with my son. I suspect, though, that you probably would be hit as emotionally hard even if you were with him because he passed away at age 49 and he was quiet about it. He didn't tell you. He didn't want to he didn't want to burden you. I admire his courage. I truly do. But Dr. Ray, she could have prayed for him. Well, who who knows? Maybe he didn't want prayers. Maybe he was away from the faith. Who know, who knows what his motive was? But he said his motive was I didn't want to burden you. I respect that. Keep in mind she'd already been dealing for 11 years with his dad's cancer. Lillian, it's still very, very, very early, very early in your loss. A couple of months, very early. I would expect that you would be rocked. But if you're going to be angry at God, ask yourself, do you really know all about what happened and why? Do you really know that? All you know is that it hits you really hard in this life, but you really don't know what what all's going to come of it, or all why, and maybe someday you will find out. And it'll keep you from being angry at God. Father Benedict Groeschel. In the church we speak of seven gifts, wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these gifts come, they give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, You know it's a struggle, and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades, and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks. Struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. We were made for spiritual greatness. The divine image is in every person, however dimly seen in some. God gave man a spiritual and immortal soul. From the first moment in the womb, he or she is destined for eternal life with God. Man, by his reasoning, is capable of understanding the order the Creator has established. By our will, we are capable of aligning ourselves with our true good, which is where we find our perfection. Reason provides recognition of God's voice directing us toward good and avoiding evil. The law of God is made known by our conscience and is fulfilled by the love of God and love of neighbor. Because our first parents sinned, we suffer the wound of original sin. Thus, while we still desire good, we are inclined toward evil and subject to error. 
This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. The doctor will see you now. Providing a little broadcast serenity, Dr. Agarendi here asking the question, if I speak on the radio and there is no one there to hear it, which could be, this is not unusual for this program, will your kids still get better? Will your husband pick up his socks? And will your mother-in-law think you are by far the best mother she has ever seen and her son is ever so lucky to have you as a spouse? By the way, there are those mother-in-laws who do think that of their daughter-in-laws. Okie dokie, this is, uh, the doctor is in. This is uh, E-Person Monday, where we, uh, ooh, but, ooh, okay, this, ooh, this is a long one. Do I have enough time for it? Yeah, okay. Take it on some of the emails. <laughs> All righty. We're a practicing Catholic family with two kids daughter, 22, and a son. My daughter's dedicated student has been a really good daughter. However, I was cleaning her room last week. I discovered some hidden pictures of her and a boyfriend. Okay, now you're thinking, oh, no, not these kind of pictures. She says they are innocent pictures. However, one picture had a caption that says, I love you. Happy year with me. In high school, I discouraged her dating, but encouraged her to have friendships with boys and girls so she would be a good judgment of character. She would have a good judgment of character. Felt like she never gave me a reason to distrust her, and that she had developed a good head on her shoulders. Uh, Mom, I'm not saying this implies she doesn't. She's 22. Okay? She likes this kid. The question for you is, is he a good kid? Uh, Okay. She's attending a Catholic college, developed a friendship with a boy for the last two years. I felt she might date in college, and I thought that she would share with me if she decided to date. She's always presented this boy to us as a friend, and I've repeatedly asked her if she has any feelings. She always says the relationship was platonic. With the discovery of these pictures, I feel she's been lying to me and sneaking around for the past year. Okay, let me jump in here. Well, one, you can't totally be sure it's still not platonic. But secondly, my guess would be that your your daughter is aware of how you view relationships even at this age in her life she's 22 she's an adult so she just doesn't want to open up the door to controversy or dispute or your disapproval that'd be my guess i would ask her um you like this guy a lot i mean he's perfectly fine with me depending of course if he's a good guy if he is, you should be grateful that this is moving into something with some future to it. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, 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 wait a minute. My husband does not approve of the boy. I wonder why that is. But does not feel like we can tell my daughter what to do because she's a young adult. That's that's pretty much true. At the beginning of this year, the boy asked my daughter to, to hide some empty liquor bottles in my house, which she transported in our car and hid in her closet. Liquor bottles were from the campus house where this boy and his friends lived, and he didn't want to get in trouble when the house was inspected. I discovered the bottles one day cleaning a room. 
We confronted my daughter about this, told her she could not be friends with someone who would ask her to do such things. We were going to restrict her use of the car, pose a curfew, but then COVID happened and we all stayed home. I want to confront my daughter about the meaning of the pictures and the relationship with the boy. I wouldn't use the word confront here, Mom. I'm just ask her. What's it mean? And, okay, you hit the liquor bottle. She probably, I got to think she doesn't think it's that big a deal, okay? I just would think your daughter would think, hey, Mom, you're all shook up about it, but I don't think it's that big a deal. And you got to be careful, too, that you don't just all of a sudden take this so terribly personally. How could she do this to me? How could she lie to me? Well, I don't know why she's lying to you, but my, my gut tells me she just doesn't want to hear your disapproval or she knows dad doesn't approve of the kid and she doesn't want that battle. That'd be my guess. I feel like I can't trust my daughter. Well, that's not true. You can't trust her in a few things. But you don't you don't know a whole lot about this relationship. I mean, the, the kid could be okay. Dr. Ray, some kid's not okay if he's going to have liquor bottles. He's in college. He was stupid about it. You don't want to look back on the stuff you did when you were 22, do you? If it's not a pattern, it's an impulse, then not quite so bad. I feel like I can't trust my daughter, and I have lost trust in myself as a parent. Why? She's 22. I feel if she's dating this boy, I'm either too naive or just dumb for thinking that this was a friendship. No, I think that's what you wanted to think. I think you wanted to think that this girl who through high school didn't date at all was pretty much going to stay that way and that when she did start to meet a guy and to be courted by a guy that this is all going to be wide open. My guess is that she's avoiding it because she doesn't want you to know about it because she's afraid of your disapproval. That's my guess and I think that's what you got to ask her about. My husband has said that I was the one giving her permission to bring this boy to our house on three occasions. I should not have done so. Why not? If she's going to see this kid, if she's away at college, why wouldn't you want to get to know him? Why would you say he can't come here? Because all you're doing is setting up a situation where she's got to choose between you and him, and I guarantee you, you're going to lose. Not because she isn't grateful to you as her parents, but because she is now moving toward a relationship. When you're 22, that stuff becomes very paramount. I thought that if I would get to know this boy, I'd get to know who was in my daughter's life. That's right. I agree with you, Mom. I trusted my daughter, and now I'm confused and worried that my husband is blaming me for all of this. What, what I, I'm still unsure of the blame here. You got a 22-year-old girl who's seeing some kid that she doesn't want you to think that you're seeing, that, he, that she's seeing him. That's it. Now, you got to find out why she doesn't want you to think this. I think it's going to be your disapproval. I do. And you only have really one area you really got to explore, which is what's the kid like? If he's a good kid and it's a positive relationship, you should be ecstatic. You realize how hard it is now for 22-year-old girls to find good, faithful guys? If it's not, well, then she's probably not going to stop seeing him anyway. Then you're going to have to make some decisions. I'm afraid that if this relationship is causing so much confusion and chaos within our family, it can't be a good one. Oh, I don't think that follows. The chaos and confusion in your family is your reaction. You've been dissed. You have not been uh, let in on everything that your daughter is thinking and feeling. 
So you view it as, oh, how could she do this to us? This is terrible. But I think you still have to establish that she did something ever so wrong. Where is it kind of written that she has to let her parents at age 22 know who she's seeing? It'd be nice, but it does it have to be? I mean, I, I had five girls, and they all moved through their 20s, and I, I really didn't know some of the guys that they were interested in. I didn't. My son's 23. I, he, he's got interested in some girls. I haven't really met any of them. Okay. I'm hoping they got. he's got good judgment, but who, who knows what they're like. Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo. We just did our parish mission a couple weeks ago now, and I suggested that in the course of the mission that we do something like a, a little mini spiritual assessment of our lives. I don't have to show this to anybody, but a great chance for us just to, with real honesty, just between us and Jesus, ask ourselves some questions. First question, given the fact that half of Catholics don't think God is even personal, would be to ask ourselves that. Do I think God is personal? And then to ask myself, do I think a relationship with Jesus is possible? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? And if so, what's it look like? And then perhaps a little bit more awkwardly or painfully to ask Jesus from his perspective, what's the friendship that we have with him look like? How would he describe our friendship with him? That might be a hard conversation to have. I'm Dr. Stan Williams, and this is Evidences for Christianity. Some agnostics claim that if God exists, he's too distant to be involved in our lives. They say God may have created the universe, but such involvement was eons ago. Maybe he created the solar system, but then he fled, never to be seen or heard from again. Well, how long has it been since God made himself manifest in the world? Was it as long ago and as far away as some doubters claim? Or was it relatively recently that God showed up? The Christian incarnation claims God cares so much for us that he came in the form of a man, Jesus. He was born of a woman, lived, ate, slept, as humans do for over 30 years, and was then killed to redeem us. That's hardly a distant, uninvolved God. Such is the evidence for Christianity. To explore more, go to AveMariaRadio.net. Under Resources, look for me, Dr. Stan Williams. Good to have you with me, Dr. Ray Garendi. The program, The Doctor, is in Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. The TV show, Living Right with Dr. Ray, in season airing season number 9, but also uh, produced uh, season number 10 to hopefully be coming out pretty soon. Uh, although COVID has put a real crimp in us getting any kind of people for the audience, so we've had to be somewhat creative. Uh, before I get to the 
EP. This is this is actually a letter. I got, got a letter. People actually write letters. Rare, but Dr. Ray, I uh, heard you talking the other day about articles telling people how to hug during this virus. Yeah, those 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 articles have come out and they've said this is this is how you're supposed to hug now. Okay, reminding me of something I heard a long time ago. It's right up your alley. Now, whenever I hear that, it's right up your alley. I know it's going to be something. There, it's humorous. They're going to want me to use it. When I was younger, grade school age, I was really shy. A new girl enrolled at my school. I had a crush on her. The emotion was so strong, I knew someday I would work up the courage to say hi. On the outside chance it would turn into a romance, I went to the library and checked out a book entitled How to Hug. I ran home to read it, only to find out it was the 12th volume of the Encyclopedia Britannica. (laughs) Now, you got to be a little older to to get this joke. How, H-O-W, to hug, H-U-G. In other words, the old encyclopedias used to tell you as they listed everything, you know, they were the the precursors to our internet, but a fraction, a minuscule fraction of the knowledge available through the internet, good and bad, that they would on the spine. For example, A would be A through uh, um, what uh, astronomy, A through astronomy, and then the second volume would be. Uh, something right after astronomy through bear. They would list what their entries were would be like that. So how to hug. <laughs> I'm sure that's not exactly what it was, but it's cute. All right. Ah, oh, this one. Where in the heck is this? It was a short one, and, and, and it definitely would lend itself to a manologue, but... This is from a female. How do you answer someone who says marriage is a piece of paper? Well, Catherine, you, first you're assuming that I would answer them. I would have to see in the context that this uh, comment arose. Because if it was a hostile context... If it was a justifying context, in other words, I want to I want to walk away from this marriage and marriage is just a piece of paper. That's all it is. Or more commonly, I'm living with someone and that's what matters. We have affection for each other. We have feelings for each other. So therefore, just to get married, it's a piece of paper. It doesn't mean anything. So I'd have to know the context. That's my first variable. Then I'd have to decide if I'm even going to respond. Because if this is clearly just a way to dispute, a way to throw traditional morals into my face, a way to justify a behavior that's not going to change in any way, he's going to continue to live with his girlfriend, I'm not going to respond. However, if I were to respond, I might say something like, do you really want another side to that question? not a question marriage is just a piece of paper okay do you 
do you want another view of that statement? Do you really want another view of that statement? Yeah, make your case. Okay, all right. Marriage has nothing to do with a piece of paper. The piece of paper is just this legal thing. That's not the marriage. The marriage is the commitment before God and before others that we are giving of ourselves for life. Now, is there a piece of paper that goes with it? Yeah, you got to. You got to have legal aspects. But if you're going to say that there's no difference between someone who commits himself for life in the witness of God and the community, others, or someone who just says, well, let's be together and share costs and eh, we like each other a lot, sort of, kind of. So let's just uh, let's just enjoy the convenience of this all. And really, I'm not <laughs> not really to take that step to say I'm committed to you in a sickness and in health till death do us part. That's not clear. Whoa, whoa. Then you're right. For someone like that, marriage would just be a piece of paper. Because marriage would be meaningless. They don't want it. So what you're doing is you're making it equal. That someone who says, I will love you till I die, or till you die, I will give you myself. And someone who says, well, I'm going to live with you. I'm going to like you. Okay, I'll hang around here, and as long as things are going good, I'm, I'm with you. Don't get sick on me. Don't have an adulterous relationship. I'll boot you out. So that get, let's not get too disagreeable with each other. Then you're right. All you're looking at is a piece of paper because that's all it means to you. There you go, Catherine. Okie dokie. Oh, I better take a break. I was gonna, I was gonna tackle this one. <laughs> Interestingly, this is an email that out of the mouths of babes. Out of the mouths of babes. And she is asking how to make her kids understand the decisions that the grown-ups are making. And the kid is going, why? Why are you doing this? And in some respects, there's wisdom to the child. But he doesn't have any authority or power to act upon his childlike wisdom. We'll get to that in a second. I'm Dr. Ray. You're not fit yet. Not fit. I'm the doctor. No, doctor. I'm the doctor, and I say that you're not fit. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. Right now, as you know, America, Catholic Church, really the Western world, is being shaken. But let me read this passage. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 25. We'll go to 29. The writer to the Hebrews says, His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, I will once more shake not only the earth, but heaven. And that phrase, once more, points to the removal of shaken created things so that what is unshaken may remain. We realize that nothing is fixed. Everything seems to be in flux. And that's the, why God's people need to be immersed in Scripture. 
because there we come across the unchangeable and the unshakable God. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. Why do we need Catholic Radio? Because not everybody is sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? Catholic Radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Father Wade thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Now, on the Ave Maria Radio app, the prayer section, where you can listen to the Holy Rosary. All four mysteries are voiced by Christ as the answer and Father Knows Best host, Father John Ricardo. Are you struggling to remember specific prayers for pre- and post-confession, reciting the Stations of the Cross, or prayers during Eucharistic Adoration? It's all there, word for word, and within a few clicks under the prayer section on the Ave Maria Radio app. Download it on your smart device today. Good to have you with me, Dr. Rigorendi. I got time, I think. Oh, boy. Let me jump on it real quick. I'll read it real fast. This is from my mom. I'm writing because I'm struggling to know how to help my kids deal with all the disappointments arising from activities being constantly canceled, schools being closed for periods of time, and now the newest ones. Kids having to quarantine for two weeks from school, friends, neighbors, and activities because they were deemed a close contact to a classmate at school that tested positive. That's the situation currently with our seven-year-old. He doesn't understand why he can't play with his friends when he's not sick. And, of course, two weeks feels like an eternity to him. You got that right, Mom. Our 10-year-old daughter will finally be returning to in-person school tomorrow after doing remote learning for the past week to shut down the deep clean the school after a few positive cases. And now one of her activities she was really looking forward to has been canceled due to the uptick in cases in our area. It just feels like the hits keep on coming, and I'm starting to know how to keep them myself sane through all of this. Yeah, yeah, me too. How do we continue to instill hope in our children when things keep getting worse? Oh, boy. I would try to explain to your son, again, a 7- and 10-year-old, there's only so much you can explain. Honey, sometimes big people make decisions that they think are right, and they may not turn out to be that way. We're hoping that some of the big people are now deciding that closing school was not the greatest idea. Uh, they're they're thinking about the idea that schools should be left open. And by the way, Dr. Fauci came out and said that, and uh, CDC came out and said that. But six months ago, they said, you got to shut them down. Shut them down. That was the science, right? Okay. Now, sadly, what's happening is that uh, these activities for kids are canceled all over the place when there's all kinds of evidence that kids are at such low risk. But they can bring it to the big people. They can bring it to the adults. Well, even that is questionable now. So what is happening, this thing is is, is getting a mind of its own. Now, is, is COVID a dangerous virus? Of course it is. Of course it is. It's, that's a nasty virus. And don't mishear me. I'm not saying I don't care if people die. I'm saying... You have to have some sense of context and balance when you deal with something like this. 
The response has simply been just shut everything down without looking at the repercussions, the invisible victims, which are, for example, these little kids. They don't understand what's going on. I would say here, Mom, get your kids to understand that this this isn't going to keep going. That there will come a time, sometime in the future here, maybe not so far off, that things will slowly begin to return to normal. Now, to listen to Dr. Fauci, he says, oh, absolutely not. We're going to be like this for another year. That's what he says. That's what he says. So my question again, of course, is if the vaccine is that effective, which is what we wanted, which is what they always said, once we have the vaccine, that's what he said. Well, now, wait a minute. The the, the vaccine is being distributed. And we're going to do this for another year again? Masks, social distancing, cutting of activities, closing of businesses. That's what we're going to do? Even though? See, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand here. The only thing I can think of, I'm digressing, but the only thing I can think of is that they've decided that nobody anywhere can get sick. That's it. And as long as there's a risk of somebody getting sick and dying, then we have to continue this even though the ill effects in all other areas are mounting. So I would say to your children, hey guys, grown-ups don't know everything. And grown-ups, they make decisions. And if they're, if they're in charge, they make decisions that affect other people's lives. And hopefully, with a little bit of time, We'll realize that we can get back to normal because the decisions will change. You'll be allowed to go back to school. You'll have activities. This will all go away. That's the kind of hope I would give them. You got to give little kids hope. You can't just, all they're looking at is nothing's going to change. It's always going to be this way and I can't do anything as a kid anymore. And the 14-day quarantine, well, now it's 10, by the way. Do you know that? The CDC says 10. It doesn't say 14. It says 10. 10 from the start of the first symptoms and 24 hours without a temperature. That's when you're free to move out. Well, it was 14, right? Exactly. Because it just shows so much of it is learning as they're going. Months ago, I said, you know, a virus like this really really gets spread in families. That's, that's where it gets. I mean, my, my sister-in-law had it, then my brother got it. Right there, they're in the same house. Okay, so there was a survey I saw in, I think it was New York State, 74.5%, they said, of all tracings are within families. Restaurants accounted for, are you ready for this? According to this survey, according to this contact rating, 1.5%. Restaurants accounted for 1.5% of the transmission of COVID. And the governor came out and said, well, that's still too much. You see, so it all comes down to the perception Not necessarily the science. The science has to be interpreted. As I've said before, my PhD in part is in research. And in every research design and study and conclusion, you you have to have what they call a discussion section. You, You have to see what the research means. You can't just simply say that automatically means this. You've got to interpret it. And that's what's going on right now. There are people interpreting it a certain way. 
And right now, their way of interpreting it is dominant. So these poor little kids are thinking, why, why, why I don't understand? They're shutting down my life. And the irony is that the kids virtually under 20 have more. They, well, it is, it's a fact. Kids under 20 die more of the flu than COVID. So the kids are not understanding it. Mom, give your little guy hope. Tell him this isn't going to last. You're with him. We're going to play a lot of good games at home. We're going to all be together. <sighs> give him a big hug and kiss. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dr. Ray. The doctor is in. The doctor is out. Walk with God. Hold him tight. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. The first ever National Men's March to End Abortion is taking place on Saturday, June 12th in Washington, D.C. There is a man connected to every abortion and men are a big part of the problem. It's time for all men to take greater responsibility in becoming a big part of the solution, beginning with those who claim to be men of faith. Men, we need you in D.C. on June 12th. Go to themensmarch.com for more information and sign up for updates year-round. It's time. Mother Teresa said, let no one come to you without leaving better or happier. This is how we try to live our personal and professional lives. We're Rob and Camille DeMaio, proud sponsors of Guadalupe Radio here in San Antonio. Our team of realtors can help you through every step of buying or selling a home. For more information, call us at 210-488-1144 for real estate help in San Antonio and throughout the United States. Rob and Camille DeMaio, your real estate team. 210-488-1144. St. Mark the Evangelist Knights of Columbus invites you to their 13th annual golf tournament Friday, June 18th at the Northern Hills Golf Club. For player information, Contact Pete Peterson at 210-413-8139 or Tony Aldrich at 210-842-1275. Payments can be submitted online at kofc7613.org. That's kofc7613.org. Your connection to our treasured Catholic faith all day, every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. This is KJMA 89.7 FM, Floresville, San Antonio. Also streaming the truth to the world at grnonline.com. It's food for the immortal soul, all day and all night. Truly creative power in the world. God is the only one who can create something out of nothing. And when we pray, we welcome God into our hearts. And once he's there, he's going to do something. He's going to change things. He's going to transform us. He's going to make something out of the nothing that is me. That's the power of prayer for me. It's the only power that's guaranteed to change my life. And the only way I know to make that happen is through prayer. CNA is the only fast, reliable, and free Catholic news source that brings blogs, stories, and opinions to your fingertips. The latest Catholic news is at CatholicNewsAgency.com. 